Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. The message today is based on the reading from Thessalonians that we just heard. Now, in order to get a true sense for what Paul was writing about in our text for today, we need to go back just a little bit in time from the time that the Apostle actually wrote these words. Paul and his companions had been proclaiming the cross and the resurrection in the area of Phrygia and Galatia. They apparently wanted to travel to Asia, but were forbidden to do so by the Holy Spirit. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they went to Troas instead, and while there, Paul saw a vision of a man from Macedonia beckoning him to come over. And so Paul and his companions got on a boat, crossed the Aegean Sea, and landed in Macedonia. Thessalonica became one of the stops that Paul and his companions made on the trek through Macedonia. There they found a synagogue, and for about three weeks, they lifted the message of Christ among the people by reasoning with them from the Scriptures. And God, as He has promised, blessed the proclamation of His Son. The kingdom was expanded, and a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few the scriptures say, of the leading women were reached by the gospel, and then, predictably, persecution followed. Jealousy drove some of the Jews from the synagogue to incite a mob against Paul. They went to look for him at the home of a man named Jason, apparently where the apostle was being hosted. Not finding him there, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the magistrates and um, accused them of trying to depose Caesar and place another king in his place. You know, the one named Jesus. And so after putting up a bond, Jason and the other brothers were released. That night, when they got back, they snuck Paul out of Thessalonica and sent the brothers away. But it was really, really hard on Paul not to be able to be with the new believers in Thessalonica. In fact, to quote some of my friends from Texas, it ate him up. Here, let me share some of Paul's own words with you so that you can get a sense for how much Paul really longed to be with the brethren from Thessalonica. Reading from the chapter that follows. Brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Can't you just hear the deep love and care in Paul's words? 
And when Timothy came back with the good news that the brothers and sisters in Thessalonica were thriving in their faith, Paul responded with this beautiful, wonderful love letter that is 1 Thessalonians. In it, Paul wholly pours out his heart. He expresses gratitude to God because the gospel of Jesus Christ had come among the Thessalonians with power and had worked a powerful faith among them that confirmed them in their election. He expresses love for the Thessalonian brethren because they were thriving like a beautiful flower in the desert in the most trying of circumstances, doing work inspired by faith in Christ Jesus, engaging in a labor of love, and demonstrating godly endurance in the face of absolutely incredible persecution. Just a few months ago, as vicarages were being assigned, something interesting happened. My wife and I are members of a congregation that has several field workers from the seminary. The wife of one of those field workers served as the coordinator of children's ministries for my church. In the time immediately before their vicarage assignment, this family had gone through some really, really difficult times. There was a death in the family. Uh, They were stressed, not knowing exactly where they were going to take their young children and move their young family to. And she, the wife, was struggling with the role in which she had been serving. I had a sense that she was feeling doubt that her service was maybe not appreciated or hadn't accomplished what she had wanted to do. At the last meeting at the church at which this young lady was present, one could really tell that she was burdened and, and, and there was a sad look to her. The meeting went on pretty much as one would expect most church meetings to go, focused on reports and votes and that sort of thing. And then, right before the meeting ended, something happened that literally changed the whole picture. One of the men raised his hand and offered a word of thanks and told this young lady how important her work and her contributions to the church had been and what a difference she had made over the last two years. There was a spontaneous response from those present, even clapping, And the young lady began to sob, and tears began to roll down her face. And the meeting ended with those present sharing hugs and words of appreciation for her. It was much more than affirming. It was God honoring. It was the body of Christ encouraging and supporting one of Christ's own. How about here, where the Servants of the church are formed. I've had the privilege of watching what happens when one of the profs sidles up next to a student or maybe to a small group of students. The whole dynamic literally changes. The professor becomes a brother and a mentor, learning about, trying to understand, and even sharing in the struggles and personal difficulties that the students are going through, trying to identify with with what the person is doing, and really making an enormous difference in how that person views their stay here and their work here at the seminary. In our reading today, one of Paul's reasons for writing was to encourage the persecuted and struggling believers of Thessalonica. It is a great privilege that we also have, dear friends. 
Encouraging believers in their faith and building them up for service in Christ is what we are really privileged to do because that is what Jesus did. This type of mutual support and encouragement are the incredible result that God's Word produces in the hearts and in the minds of not just the Thessalonians, but also in you and in me, beloved. We are in a blood-bought relationship with our God and with each other because Jesus won forgiveness for our sins through his death and through his resurrection. We are God's chosen people, dearly, dearly loved. And God himself has put us in relationship with each other because Jesus made us partakers of the same bread, washed us with the same baptism, and made us children of the same God and Father of us all. This wonderful, wonderful gift of community and the fellowship of believers is the incubator in which God strengthens us in Christ and helps us through these trials that we all experience in life. He uses our arms to share the needed hug when our brothers and sisters are in pain. He uses our voice to bring consolation and encouragement to those who struggle. He uses our hands and our feet to move us to actually help those who are needy. In short, the gospel converts us into little Christs moved to love like he loved. Here is a quote from Paul's Thessalonian correspondence. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. May it also be with us. Amen.